Welcome to Views for the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by Darren Campbell, head of Canadian FIC Investor Sales. This week's episode is titled Lay of the Land. I'm Ben Reitzis, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC Sales and Trading Desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep this show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. Darren, welcome back to the show. It's been many months for you, I believe. You're a busy man, so I finally managed to track you down. Thanks for uh, having me, Ben. You're welcome. And last week, we had our annual Government Reserve and Asset Manager Conference. That's right. Yep. What was your main takeaway from our three-day event that brought together 300 clients, issuers, investors from around the world? Well, there were a number of takeaways. First and foremost, I think there was just a lot of demand for that type of thing. Clients were, you know, just really happy to get back out and be comparing notes with their peers and, you know, getting a sense of what other people are are thinking about. So I would say that was that was the number number one takeaway and it was it was it was a great conference, uh, in all honesty. And I think we're already uh, thinking about how to take it up a notch next year but it was but it was a really good week uh some really good content on the panels some really good networking that was happening between issuers and clients and uh it was a good opportunity for people to meet some of the specialists at bmo all in one shot so it was uh, it was a good week takeaways you know a lot of the themes you, you wouldn't be surprised by i would say that the the banking crisis in the u.s for sure was was probably discussed the most i think that uh most people from what I picked up, expect that situation to to get worse before it gets better, and I think you know you're seeing that translate in in just you know the the, the client activity that we're seeing. A lot of a lot of clients are fairly defensive at the moment and more or less waiting for it feels like waiting for the for the next shoe to drop. We spent a lot of time on inflation during the conference. Um, I would say that again, the majority thinking that it's a tough go on the inflation front. It's likely to remain uh, very sticky. I think a lot more people in that sort of structural higher in inflation camp, and so that has you know again we're seeing that just in our day to day client activity at the moment. You know I think people are are very cautious, adding too much duration at the moment. I, I think that there's you know you're seeing people park park cash in the front end of the curve, but further out, again, I think it's it's people bracing for sort of a structure the higher inflation environment and, and, and trading accordingly. Dollar, a lot of discussion around, you know, dollar weakness. BMO has made a pretty large investment um, on the environmental commodity side where we are now active in, you know, carbon advisory, carbon trading. And I think what we're finding is amongst the investor client base, there's a lot of interest in this in this field. A lot of people are trying to get get smart on it quick, and we're seeing people look at it from a number of different angles. And so that was a very relevant theme last week as well. Yeah, I mean those are those are those are a few of the things. But I would say, generally speaking, it's banking gets worse, inflation sticky, recession's coming, dollars weaker. Very cheery. I mean, I the vibe I got was much happier than that, but. 
apparently your takeaways were, were slightly depressing. Why don't we bring it back to Canada for, for a little bit here? Um, though I admit the banking crisis might be, might be, might be worth at least a, a brief discussion. The thoughts around inflation in Canada, I mean, similar, similar to the, to the broader global themes of, of sticky higher inflation, but we got US CPI today that was about as expected. I think the, the whisper was higher. And so that, that, that really uh, came as a relief generally. And then the fact that core services CPI X shelter came in at just 0.1% was, was certainly encouraging on that front and suggests we are seeing some, some slowdown in, in underlying inflation pressures. The Canadian numbers out next week. I have a similarly high headline month over month number at the moment. I'm, I'm getting about uh, plus 0.6 or so. Uh, and that, that should keep the headline steady at 4.3%. The cores, however, do look to slow a little bit. They were really strong a year ago, so it's, it's going to be tough to, to get that strong again, uh, as, as much of the headline gain is, is in gasoline. And the really big deceleration in inflation is going to come in the next two months. So this, this next week's sprint is for April. May and June have really, really high year-ago increases, so the base effects are, are pretty sizable. Uh, and so it, it still looks like uh, Canadian inflation is going to get down to 3%, but that doesn't mean rate cuts are coming. So, I mean, what were the thoughts around the potential for cuts among the, the, the client base and relative to what the market is pricing right now? I think everybody acknowledges that the goal here is to, is to keep rates elevated, right, um, for a prolonged period of time. I think that that's, that's the intention. One of the main things that derails that is obviously the situation in the U.S. banking sector getting worse, right? And so I think it's sort of a binary outcome in a way, and so that's what's that, that's what makes it difficult to really act. Well, that 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 goes back to like the the way the U.S. is priced. So there's there's fifty ish basis points priced by the end of the year, forty whatever, it, and cuts priced by the end of the year. That's not necessarily odds of them cutting by that amount by the end of the year. It's more like if things really derail. It's a 25% chance of 200 basis points or, or 50% chance of 100 rather than the, the modest cuts as, as they're currently priced. That's right. Yeah. yeah and same, same for Canada at the end of the day. I mean, there's, there's 25 beeps by the end of the year, uh, which, which isn't outlandish, I think, even in a non-stress scenario. But uh, the way it's, it's, it's structured into the curve, it, it's more like some small odds on, on them having to be a lot more aggressive at this point. Uh, it, it, it is still quite interesting and somewhat head-scratching that – there's just way more priced into the U.S. than Canada right now in cuts over the next 18 months or so, or, or really eh, 12 months, call it. Uh, by the middle of next year, U.S. rates are, I mean, I discussed this last time with uh, with, with Chris, but uh, Fed policy rates effectively almost 40 beeps through Canada, whereas right now we're 58 above. So you're talking 100-ish in the Fed going faster than the bank, which still seems mind-boggling. But uh, I mean, the market has gotten more extreme, not less. So who am I to get in the way of that? But at the end of the day, I've, I, I still have trouble believing that. Even if it is a U.S. banking-driven uh, crisis, if the U.S. economy has a meaningful slowdown, Canada will follow suit. We always do. Uh, I don't see a scenario in which we don't. And so the bank would, would, would likely be forced to act uh, and, and, and not fall that far behind the Fed, I think. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Canada's never been immune and so, yes, if, if it's, it's the old, if the U.S. sneezes, Canada catches a cold thing. So, yeah, that's right. If, yeah. if, if that hits and that escalates, then Canada is going to feel the effects. And 
and be along for the ride. And then the question is obviously around the pace of that. And the market's obviously suggesting that it's going to be more aggressive cuts in, in the US uh, than, than you need in Canada. But again, I think we're just pricing probabilities around this, this outcome. So it distorts it because what you typically see once you get to the end of the cycle, the cuts tend to be a little bit more one-to-one. Right. And so, you know, that's what's that's what stands out right now is how aggressive the cuts are in, 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 in the U.S., uh, certainly over the next six months versus Canada. And, uh, you know, again, that's just distorted by the probabilities and the direct impact of of kind of the worst case scenario on the U.S. banking front. I want to look at both sides of the coin in Canada. So there's still some small odds of, of a rate hike priced. Uh, I also want to look at the idiosyncratic weakness in Canada and, and what might drive that. So let's start on the rate hike side. So the probabilities over the next probably three meetings, and maybe it's four, but I'd say three for sure is probably skewed toward a hike at this point. Uh, I, I personally don't see them going in, in June or July. It, it doesn't make sense to me. They don't get enough inflation data unless we get a, a monster next couple of prints. It just doesn't make sense that they would be uh, be pushing rates higher from here. Come the September meeting, we'll, we'll know what's happening beyond uh, the June print, which is when we'll probably see that magical 3% number that the bank's looking for. But if we do get high side su- surprises on inflation, I think, that, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe the bank isn't willing at least to push rates another, call it 25 beeps higher. They don't have to be aggressive about it, uh, but they do need to show that their commitment to 2% is firm. Uh, the market's not not really prepared for that. Uh, not not at this point. Do um, you, you agree with that? I do agree with that, but I think that can be achieved with them sending a very firm message around rates staying elevated for a long period of time. You know, I, I'm not sure that increasing another 25 does anything at this stage. I think it probably just introduces more uncertainty, more you know, angst for the consumer. But I think you're at a point now where you can just this was the intent, you know, get it to an elevated level and then leave it high for a long period of time, you know? And, and so I, and I, and at the same time, I think that U S situation aside, you know, you, you pointed out a pretty telling chart this morning, right? Which just shows like, we'll get to that. That's the weak side. That's the rate cuts. We'll get to that. All right. So it's rate hikes for now, but you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right. That, uh, that, that actually makes more sense. Maybe just signal that rates are not going down anytime soon. And, and, what difference does 25 basis points make? Probably probably not much. The The only value is the signal value is just like to show that you're puff out your chest and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here to fight inflation. Uh, other than that, I, 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 yeah, it might just mean a harder landing at the end of the day and, and more more pain for households for sure. Uh, so now, okay, let's switch to the rate cut side and, and the potential for, for domestic weakness to drive the bank to, to start trimming rates at some point, maybe late, maybe in the very later part of this year. I've said for a while, Q4 is probably the earliest. I'm, I'm, I still think that. You mentioned a chart I put out today. You can, yeah. Doug's going yeah. to put it out later. I, I just think that it, like, this, it was interesting, and I'm not sure, as you said, like whether or not it's actually getting that much attention. And it just shows consumer delinquencies, and it shows that it was very suppressed levels of delinquencies over the last four years, call it. Um, it has spiked higher. You know, it has spiked to levels that we haven't seen outside of, I think, 2019. Some levels, some some levels in 2019, levels that we haven't seen in the last 15 years. So that's that's for for businesses. So just to get the data clear, so our our, our chief economist Doug Porter pointed this out to me. But uh, the business insolvencies are at the highest since 2011 for the month of March. 
Uh, and the consumer insolvencies are kind of back to normal. They had been extremely depressed through the entire pandemic period. The, all, all the support programs in place and, and the various things in place to support households and consumers kept those, those numbers very low. Something changed in March. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the economy slowing or a program ending, or I haven't seen any programs that ended, but uh, or something ending. Uh, that that really drove this this big change, but you're back to normal for consumers and businesses are at the highest in in more than a decade, and and that doesn't seem to bode well for the economy, from my perspective. And we already we've already seen to some extent that that's maybe an early sign of that. Uh, March GDP, the flash estimate was already negative, so maybe this goes in hand with that a little bit. Early signs of softness. I think everybody's expecting it. We know that the stress is going to is going to start showing on on the back of an over leveraged consumer. Um, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, no, I, I time is exactly right. It was it was always a question of when, and the fact that the economy's held in so well so far has been pretty shocking. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm fond of saying if you told me I don't know a year ago, eighteen months ago that rates will be at four and a half percent and the economy would be fine, I I would have said no, <laughs> you're wrong, and I probably would have laughed at your face and I would have been wrong. So shame on me. Anything's possible. So yeah, I mean, the the other the other things to keep in mind in Canada, two things. So we already have that March flash estimate that was negative. In April, we had the public sector strike. That's going to weigh pretty heavily on GDP for that month. So that month probably ends up being flat to negative as well. And then in May, which we're only 10 days in, but we have wildfires in Alberta uh, and that could shut in a decent amount of oil production. So uh, about it's on a headline yesterday. It's currently Wednesday, so on on Tuesday I saw a headline uh, stating that about three hundred thousand barrels of production were shut in at that point in time. Uh, we'll see how these fires progress if they get worse. Uh, in in twenty sixteen, the last time we had really big fires in in, in Alberta, uh, about a million barrels ended up being shut in. So I'm, I'm not suggesting that will be the case this time, but it, it can be a very material impact. So you in May you may get the reversal of the public sector strike, so that'll be a positive, but. The offset to that and, and maybe a larger negative will be the uh, decline in oil production. Uh, so so that's maybe a negative for March, maybe a negative for April, maybe a negative for May. Not good for the second quarter. Uh, you'll, you'll probably get some rebound in June as production comes back, but still uh, momentum pretty bad there. And then we'll see what, what starts to happen in the third quarter. Kind of almost too far away, too much uncertainty to uh, have, have a strong opinion on that at this point. So where does that leave us on rates? What trades are clients looking at at the moment? What do you like? Where is the market headed? We know that June 1 is always a big theme in Canada, and we did some analysis on that earlier in the week, which was, again, it, it sort of just it breaks down a lot of the themes that we're familiar with, but you know, there's some pretty good analysis around it and numbers around it. And you know, the trades traditionally are to be long. You know, that's probably the most clear signal is is just is just to be long and it's long the belly and you know 70 80 percent of the time in the, th- in the 30 days leading up to to June 1 you're going to do well being long long versus the US would be would be second to that and then curve would be after that I think that with respect to the curve it's still all the talk and focus is around curve steepening timing it where to play it I think what we've seen is there's been False starts, as you'd expect through the year, a lot of it's cleaned up further out the curve. We think that there's still some pain, some uncomfortable positioning in the twos, tens part of the curve. But there's no doubt that's still what everybody's trying to figure out. What's the right timing for it? 
still an extremely expensive trade to have on. And so there's a lot of clients looking at ways to just be mitigating the carry. But I think what we're seeing is that there's no clear view. Like I said, I think that people are really struggling with with what to do here. That's the trade that everybody really wants to have on. Probably has been burned once or twice already trying to get the trade on. So there's no doubt about it. That trade will perform. It's just whether or not, you know, we're talking about Q3, Q4, or even Q1 of next year. You know, our, our view would, would be that you you want to show a little patience still on entry, perhaps something closer to the to the back half of, of Q3 when the when the when the data, you know, there's a little bit more convincing story on the data front. You know, by then you're probably gonna have a, a much better sense of the way things are playing out in the U.S. and uh, you know that could potentially provide the the right entry point. But that is definitely still where most of the where most of the attention is. Yeah, that's fair. I I I thought maybe the U.S. banking crisis might have been the event to kickstart that steepening. Didn't didn't quite pan out uh, that way. So still uh, trying to to figure that part out. But uh, I think going into June one. The big part of the market I'll be looking at is 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 Canada U.S. spreads, and uh, we've seen Canada underperform pretty meaningfully, especially in the front end, consistently for a number of weeks now. Uh, if we end up getting some outperformance into June one, I think I, I would I would look to fade that at this point. There just is too much appetite to just at this point from the market's perspective to have to have even even if I don't believe it's true uh, to have the Fed be be that much more aggressive than the bank and and longer term fundamentals the the population growth in Canada is going to make Canada look better from a growth perspective kind of medium term uh, and so maybe spread maybe Canada shouldn't be quite as rich uh, fundamentally as, as it has been over the past few years and uh, maybe we shouldn't be kind of base case be 50 beeps through the US and in, in, in 10s and and a little bit more in longs, maybe it's more like twenty five or something like that, and and uh, that that might be where we settle at the end of the day. And and near term, we could easily see the the twos uh, Canada U.S. two year spreads be closer to flat, whereas we're we're, we're twenty three at the moment. So that would be probably I think the the one best trade I'd look at. My highest conviction at this point, and uh, and I know Sam Buckley, our, our Canada traders, uh, very much on board with that. Yeah, the, probably the only other thing to highlight would maybe be the. 10 to 30s curve in Canada versus the U.S. You know that that's something that Canada is now uh, out flattened is now kind of at the extreme ends of the of the range versus the U.S. And I, I think what we're seeing is there's just not a lot of demand for the long end, right? I think that there is, you know, it, it's difficult to be building books in the long end at the moment. And uh, like I said, I think that there's there's a number of accounts that are concerned about duration that are in that structurally higher inflation camp. And, you know, do we think that the Canadian curve can steepen back out to the top of that, you know, fairly well-defined range versus the U.S. of, call it flat to to neg 20? We think so. And so right here at neg, around neg 20, it's a, it's a good entry level into that trade. I'm going to vote to be a bit more patient. I think mid-20s, maybe 30 is where you want to get in on that one. And just just... Especially going into June one, uh, you, you, like if it, at that point in time, if we're still at negative twenty on on June one or June two or June three, somewhere in that month, uh, then, then it looks more attractive. But heading into that period, when you do get that that structural demand for the long end and, and general flattening trend, I, I think you probably want to be a little bit more patient if you can. Maybe maybe you can put a little piece on here, but I, I think you might uh, see better levels over the next uh, over the next month or so. Fair enough. 
Darren, since we already more or less discussed our ideas here, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks for coming on this week and uh, very much appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. For full legal disclosure, visit bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.